What is up and welcome to episode 8 of It Gets Progressively Worse. Now I'm going to be honest, it's been a little while since we've been here recording. It's been since April. Since April, like around two and a half months I would say. Wow, so it, it's been a while. So we're going to talk a little bit about why it's been so long, why we fake quit and then like pulled a Tom Brady and came back. Uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a couple things, and then we'll probably talk about the uh, 2024 presidential election. An update of how it's changed since our initial predictions and uh, where it, we think it'll go now. So, stay tuned. <laughs> so, we're going to start with a little bit about why we quit. Um. <laughs> yeah, he's already done. Um, the reason why we quit is that we had started recording, and um, it was going fairly okay. Brandon was really obsessed with the numbers, the analytics. And, no, I wasn't. And he, he, no, he, I he wasn't. He would constantly come in and be like, we're losing views each episode. We um, were. Because <laughs> we were. And he was, he was very concerned. And I could tell that the lack of success really just burnt out Brandon. And then Brandon had other creative ventures that he wanted to do. Okay, so we'll get into the other creative ventures in a second. But I want to I address that first part. Um, about about the numbers and then the lack of success. It wasn't the lack of success. It was the crazy amount of success we had in the beginning, followed up by just going back to where we probably should have been in the first place. Our first episode, we don't like to talk about our numbers here because we don't want to know how many of you guys are out there because then you might think we're more popular than we are. Or a lot less popular <laughs> than we are. That's possible too. Let's just say our first episode opened with about five times the viewers that any other episode of ours ever got no i wouldn't say i mean like they went down the viewers went down i think the first the second episode got like half to like three quarters of the first. it was it was very indicative of a exponentially shrinking like going down it, it got progressively worse but then another big part of it, because the numbers actually weren't that big of a, a part of it, as much as he's trying to make it sound like. Brandon was so distraught <laughs> by it. Yeah, I really wasn't. The big part is that we started to lose like that creative edge. You know what I'm saying? So like it wasn't it wasn't like we were like enjoying doing it. It felt more like we were just recording a show because we had to, and not because we were doing fun, interesting things with it. But that's where things are getting a little bit different now. And we're gonna go into that in the next segment. But I wanna talk a little bit about what he referred to as other creative ventures. Because this is my favorite thing to talk about. I was a stand-up comedian. And a lot of you guys listening to this show know that because you were at the show. And around the time we quit the show, I was like, I am going to be the most famous stand-up comedian ever. I have since quit comedy. Yeah, he, he did one show. It went fairly well. I'd say incredibly. Fairly well. And, um... You know, he realized that he couldn't have Logan heckle him at every one of his shows. And he realized, like, half people listening to this don't know who Logan is. Yeah, well, to the to my point, Brandon's show would collapse without Logan, if you know him or if you don't. It, Logan did not carry the show. It was only fun because I did it in front of a group of people. And also, I'm not going to lie, I got so nervous before that show, I don't want to do that again. But anyway, that doesn't matter because we're back record new podcast episodes, and we have some big plans. Why don't you talk about some of what we're going to be doing? Yeah, so when we originally started the show, we started at, like, the I think the worst time that we could... Because me and Br Brandon and I, not me and Brandon, grammar, Brandon and I started 
you know, talking a lot of politics around when the 2022 uh, midterms were coming up, like the primaries, the election. And then we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start a political podcast where we talk about politics after. As soon as it as ended. As soon as it ended. After. That's when we're going to start our podcast. So um, it was really just the worst time. There wasn't a lot like of crazy stuff happening in American politics. Um, and so it was kind of just a bad move to start when we started. But now, six months later, this is a great time because the 2024 primary is starting to heat up. And and that's what this podcast is going to be going into a lot of over these next um, couple months as we're starting to record new episodes. We're going to go a lot into the 2024 primary. We're going to talk about the candidates. We're actually going to talk to some of the candidates. We have a big interview lined up that's very... It's, it's, it's a great opportunity that we got. A week after this episode comes out, there will be another episode, and you're not going to want to miss that one. Also, that one will have a video in it, so that's going to really add to it. It'll, it'll add something to it. <laughs> um, but, but that's really the plan from now on, is, is bringing you election news, our personal thoughts. Maybe not as much, because the past couple episodes, or the episodes that we did, were more news segments than they were our personal beliefs so we're gonna go in we're gonna talk about how we think about things as they're happening how we think things will go it'll be a more discussion podcast than maybe a news podcast along with that we're gonna be having some not only guests such as candidates that we'll be interviewing hint hint but also we're gonna be having just some guest hosts come in who maybe have some diverse viewpoints uh, we're gonna hopefully get in some right-wing guest hosts that we can debate with them because a big part of this is we're going to try to cover all sides of this. But there's another thing that we need to talk a little bit about. And that was when, whenever we quit, we said that we were going to be launching up a YouTube channel. But that's a lot of work, and we didn't really want to do that. The YouTube channel, as we started to get more and more into the logistics of it, we realized that it wasn't the best route, especially for what we wanted to do. So now the YouTube channel, is we're still going to have the YouTube channel. Stay subscribed to the YouTube channel. But it's going to be used to post shorts of clips from some of our shows and stuff like that. So there, unless something really changes, you probably won't be getting much exclusive content in terms of YouTube. No, it's really just ways to engage people who maybe not haven't already been engaged by playing the YouTube algorithm. Kind of bringing in new, new listeners, new uh, ears to our wonderful podcast. Um, other than that, uh, the podcast is relatively going to stay the same. Uh, weekly uploads, hopefully on Sundays. Either no weekly promises. or bi-weekly. Weekly that, or bi-weekly. That, that will depend on how... So the reason that this, that this schedule is a little bit up in the air, because one other thing that I feel like we failed at before was being transparent about what was going on behind the scenes. So here's a little bit of transparency. Here's me being honest. We have a lot of different cool things lined up, specifically talking in terms of some of these interviews and guest hosts. That's stuff that has to be scheduled, right? That's not just something that we can do by ourselves. And along with that, we also both have lives outside of the show. Well, maybe not Kyle, but I have a life. No, I don't have a life. And so while living our lives and also trying to set up things with some of these guests and get different guest hosts on and reach out and line up interviews, that's a lot of scheduling, right? That's not just on us. That's also something that we need other people's schedules to align well with. So there is going to be some complications in that. And that's why we're not going to promise weekly uploads like we did before. Because another big part of it, we talked about this on the saying goodbye kind of episode, was that by creating a, a schedule for ourselves, it really felt like we were limiting what we could do creatively because we had to get something recorded, even if we weren't happy with how it turned out. 
which happened, right? Uh, whenever we put out the special guest Eva episode, we had another episode that was supposed to go in the place of that, but it was really bad. So we scrapped that and had to bring in something else last minute. And that also didn't turn out great. So, so a big part of what we want to try to do is we want to spend more time on making better content as compared to putting out content just to put out content. Uh, and speaking of putting out content, this has gone on a little long. So let's hop into the actual meat of this episode and um, let's talk some politics. All right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the 2024 race. Specifically, we want to talk about some of the candidates because we've talked about candidates in this race before. But we want to talk about some of the ones who have just recently entered and further developments and what's going on with some of them. Just to keep you guys informed as much as possible on what uh, is happening in this race. We're going to probably talk a little bit about their poll numbers where we see them going, if we think they have any chance winning, along with some of their policy viewpoints and stuff like that. So why don't you get us started? Yeah, so when we're t- we'll talk about the Democrats first. Obviously, the elephant in the room, or more the donkey in the room, because he's a Democrat. Uh, that was not funny. That It was kind of funny. No. No, because like the I Republican... Laugh, I laugh at literally everything, the, but I'm not the laughing The Republican right logo is an elephant, and the Democrat logo is a donkey. And, okay, you know what? I don't need this. I don't. I don't need this. Anyways, let's talk about Joe Biden. He's obviously running again. He's 80 years old, which is too old, personally, in my opinion. Um, do you have anything you want to say <laughs> about our, our good friend Joe? Uh, so a little bit about Biden. I'm not going to be ageist against him. I am. Um, so obviously he's the experienced vet, right? Uh, he's been president. He's been vice president. And just being an incumbent going into this race... He obviously has the advantage, especially in the Democratic Party. Um, And even with that, the DNC is so in line with him that it appears they're not going to be hosting any debates, which I'm personally not a big fan of. Uh, But he's he's obviously the clear front runner. There probably won't be any debates, and he's the presumptive nominee at this point. But there are other candidates. There are other candidates, but it's it's safe to say that Biden and Harris are going to be making their way back to the... At least on the ticket. Yeah, on the ticket. Um... Moving on to the other candidates running for the Democrats, uh, I've made my views on this particular candidate more than clear before. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for president as well. You know, he's this conspiracist, populist kind of voice that, you know, there's nothing really to say. He's polling better than he should. He's polling up at like 18, 19%. I've seen him. Yeah, and... You know, it's, there's the only reason he's polling that high is because of his name. I think if Democrats actually learned what he was talking about, it's it's his name and the fact that he's not Biden is why he's polling that's, so that's high. That's a big one. Um, so obviously Kyle does not like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We've heard that on other episodes as long as he was really trying hard not to say something terrible about him right now. But I do want to extend an invite to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to come on our podcast. I would love to see Kyle debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I would sit and moderate it. It could be awesome. I'm not going to repeat what I said in the past episode when we talked about him. That, sorry, that was my chair. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat what I said about him, though. But I would more than willingly talk to Robert F. Kennedy and Jr. And, Jr. and um, just have a a nice, respectable conversation if he's capable of holding one, because you know he hasn't been shown to in the past. So, well, I, I, 
if you guys know Robert F. Kennedy Jr., forward him this podcast. We'd love to talk to him. Um, next, we get to Marion Williamson. Now, Marion Williamson is a spiritual activist, author, um, founder of Project Angel Food, and candidate for president in 2020. Um, Marianne Williamson has painted herself as a progressive challenger to Biden, but has also recently been under some controversy after uh, multiple of her staffers quitting and claiming that she uh, perpetuated a toxic workplace. She has denied those allegations um, and is still progressing as this progressive candidate uh, trying to get the the Bernie vote. Um, do you have any opinions on her? Uh, I just, you know... I feel like there could definitely have been a better candidate to go up and be the progressive voice against Biden. Um, I mean, she's all right. I don't have, well, apparently not because of her staffers, like, you know, her claims against her. I don't know. I feel like I've heard that about every presidential candidate. Well, at some yeah, because most of them suck. I think it's more because m- a lot of staffers, and I'm not saying this is the case, right? I, I'm, I'm not trying to make any claims about this specific situation, but I'm talking more generally. Yeah. I know that a lot of, uh, a lot of staffers will get paid, know that they can get paid by media to talk bad about certain candidates. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't really have any firm opinions about her. I don't think that she's going to be able to beat Biden. I think she did a very okay job to get her name out there when she first announced. But since then, I haven't heard much. She's polling. I think the last major poll that she was in had her at 8%. So she's not doing poorly. Yeah, but... The 8% isn't enough, especially with how close we are. Like, unless Biden royally screws up, I I doubt that she will even come close to posing a threat. Even at this point, Bobby Kennedy Jr. poses a bigger threat than she does. He, he does, yeah. All um, right. So I think we should move right in, uh, going down our list, into the Republican field. Yeah, and there there's a lot of them. This will take up a majority of our time. And it's it's also a very diverse field, more diverse than would have probably originally been expected. Yeah. Um. Do you want to? Let's just hop in. Let's hop right in. Um. First on our list is um Doug Burgum from North Dakota. Yeah. So Doug Burgum is the governor of North Dakota. He was also a former business executive. He has a um a background in making money in finance. Um. And he's very popular within North Dakota. But of the four people who live in North Dakota. Hey, some of our viewers might be from there. Let's, uh, let's, yeah, let's be nice. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, you know, that was completely out of line. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said that. And I apologize. Trying to get us canceled already. I apologize to Tim from North Dakota. <laughs> um, I'm assuming out of the people who live there is at least one guy named Tim. So I'm sorry. And I also apologize to Doug. I'm, I'm sorry, Doug. <laughs> Um, Doug Burgum. Doug Burgum. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's who I'm talking to. Um, no, but uh, where do you see him going in this race? Not very far. <laughs> I'll be real with you. I feel like, you know, if we're going to talk about a candidate from the Dakotas, I feel like Christy Nome has a better name than he does. Like, I, there's very little name recognition for this guy. He's very, like, outside of, outside of that, like, sort of region, outside of North Dakota, outside of the North Midwest. I mean, like, I can see him maybe potentially getting up onto the debate stage. That's where it becomes tough. Because to get on... So, we were talking about this. To get on this debate stage, I believe the number is 400,000 individual donors you have to have. So, he would have to find 400,000 people across... I want to I want to say it's 20 states. Don't quote me on those numbers. They may be wrong. Um, fact checkers, get on that. 
but it's something like that. It's a, yeah, he's Googling it now. We're good. It's a high amount of uh, individual donations needed from multiple different states. And you have to be pulling at 1% in order to get on that debate stage. So it is a, it is a, it's tough to qualify for it this year. That's why I'm saying it, it, it's, he might. Okay. Um, 1% of the vote. Um, it just says 1% of the, oh, um, all right. I lied. Uh, keep talking real quick. Okay. Bam, bam. This is, this is a great episode. This is, this is our comeback episode. Um, but no, with it being so difficult to get onto the stage this year and just his low name recognition, unless he's really able to create some momentum, I don't know how well he's going to do. Yeah, okay, so you're right. It's 1% of support from one of the early voting states. Uh, uh, 40,000 unique contributors from 20 states. So, I mean, that's tough. That, that's tough to get. And will, he, will this guy get it? Maybe. I'm interested to see. I I think that generally it's going to be more interesting to see more candidates on the stage. I think I think it, he needs to do a better job of getting his name out there. I feel like that's – and getting his message out there because a lot of these Republicans have very similar uh, platforms that are running on. So it's kind of difficult to stand out. Um, and I think he just needs to find something to make him different from every other candidate who's up here. All right, so going down this list, now let's talk about Chris Christie. I'd prefer we didn't. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Chris Christie is, um, uh, he, he was the governor of New Jersey, for those of you who are unaware. Um, and he ran for president in 2016. That's really, I mean, he's notoriously a not great guy. He was like, he was the Trump before Trump. He was the big, you know, uh, I'm going to say it how it is and not censor myself at all and be just kind of the worst person. Um, wow. You're coming out swinging on a lot of these candidates today. You know, it just it is how it, it's just none of these names really appeal to me. Uh, and I think that's the problem for a, a voter who's looking for a more common sense person. Like as we go down this list, it's going to be difficult to find someone who isn't crazy, who isn't, you know, just doing talking points to get ahead, trying just like crawling to get this power. You know, I think it's difficult for some, for independent, and it is in every election for independent voters to find someone who really matches how they think. Okay. But back to Chris Christie. Back to Chris Christie. Um, so he, after running for president in 2016, he dropped out, endorsed Trump, uh, highly praised Trump. and was even a senior advisor to Trump for a while. Until uh, January of 2021, when this silly thing happened at the Capitol building. What happened? <laughs> um, so after, after Trump's supporters raided the Capitol, that's whenever Chris Christie publicly turned on Trump. Um, I don't know how much of that was genuine versus a political move, because he saw that, that was a burning ship. But now he's basically just running as the I hate Trump candidate. Um, he did a CNN town hall. And on the CNN town hall, he was he was talking. And it I, I watched it. And it was just... He was so obsessed with Trump during the whole thing. Now he, I feel like he's falling into the trap of running on. I'm not Trump, which is a bad place to be. And he's not putting up anything of substance to say who he Himself, is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to make, he'll definitely, cause he, Chris, he has a lot of name recognition. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a very recognizable figure. 
I feel like if anyone's going to get on the debate stage, it's going to be him. I do think he'll make the debate stage. But I don't think he's going any further than that. The, it'll be interesting to see if he can paint himself as an anti-Trump candidate. But yes, I do I do see Chris Christie on that stage. Um, talking about Trump, let's talk about mini-Trump. The next guy on our list, uh, Ron, DeSanctum- Ron DeSantis. Ron, <laughs> Ron DeSantis is his name. And um, if anyone on this list has any name recognition other than Trump, it's... Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Ron DeSantis is number two in the polls right now. He's current governor of Florida. Um, and he was a U.S. representative for a very long time, which, it, you know. I mean, for five years. For, well, here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> thing. I think most people kind of overlook his time in Congress. And I, I don't think you should do that. Because it very much, DeSantis is this weird hybrid of MAGA and establishment. He's the establishment MAGA. You know, he's, he's shown where the Republican Party has gone to nowadays, where it's like, and and what you hear is like, because MAGA, Trump didn't get much done. Not a, not a hidden secret. And DeSantis is kind of being floated as Trump, but he gets stuff done. Um, what, what I will say about DeSantis, and this is, this is, I mean, obviously, strictly my opinion. DeSantis, everyone who knows me knows my opinions on Trump very well. What are, what are your opinions on Trump? I hate him. I oh, hate Trump. Okay. I really, really do not like Trump. Ron DeSantis is the only person running for president who I would pick Trump over. Here's why I say that. Ron DeSantis has been openly hateful to a level which is not being seen by any other candidate. Between his transphobic, homophobic, and racist laws that he has attempted to pass, his crazy uh, talking points targeting people, and just generally some of the things he's done as governor, he has proven himself to be an openly hateful person who I don't doubt that if elected to the highest office would continue this crazy right-wing virtue signaling of trying to target some of the most vulnerable people. And for those reasons, there is nobody who I think is less deserving of being president than DeSantis. Yeah, that's very well put. I mean, obviously, you know, people may disagree with you. Um, DeSantis is just... For some reason, he's been he's been floated as this great candidate because he he's passes stuff, but the stuff he's not passing isn't great. But he is passing things, and for some reason, like not for some reason, because of Trump, that just the fact of getting anything done in a polarized world is praised, no matter what it is. Okay, but it's one thing to get something done that helps people, and one thing well, to no, get something like, done that's literally just openly hateful. And But that's the thing, is like, they don't care what's getting done, it's just as long as something's getting done. It's, it's all just virtue signaling. And, and I feel like, I don't feel like he's gonna do horrible. I just feel like as the campaign goes on, since he was like kind of like seen as this front-runner candidate, I feel like as time goes on, he'll start to do worse and worse, because he does horrible when the spotlight is on him. If you watch any, not any single, if you, his announcement, his announcement, his <laughs> announcement Elon. Is, is a clear signaling of what his presidency will be. It's this, he talks a script. He's a puppet to the uh, crypto people. He talks about crypto, and that's not what the average American's really interested in, but he has to guarantee that his, he, his billionaire friends make sure. He has talked about crypto. He's actually not the most crypto pro crypto legislator in this race though. well no i i know that but i'm saying like he's just going to be a puppet to kind of like these these talking point this perception of anti-woke 
great. And that is where he's big. The whole anti woke crowd. That is that is that is where he's done most of his pandering. And I just feel like as time goes on and as more people like kind of realize what he's about, he's gonna stop being seen as oh he's just a uh, you know he's he's Trump but in a suit as more of a uh, he's Trump but in a suit but in the bad way. It's showing that like all of Trump's he's Trump without the charisma really. Yeah. He's he's just a big hunk of meat that talks MAGA talking points. Not hunk as in he's hot. <laughs> hunk as in, like, he's an inanimate object of just, like, beef. That's, like, kind of just sitting there. Like, I could replace him. I could replace him with, like, deli meat. And you wouldn't be able or, to Or, like, a it. Nicolas Cage cardboard yeah, cutout. Yeah, if I put a Nicolas Cage cardboard cutout up on his stage and said, Oh, my guys, look, Ron DeSantis. Everyone would be like, Oh, he grew a beard. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I'm sorry for yelling at <laughs> um poor headphone listeners yeah anyways um i'm kind of done talking about well there's probably gonna be so much more as we get into election news about ron DeSantis. That I and you know we'll be talking about it yeah I this think... if you guys are interested in this presidential race make sure to follow us because this is going to be the hub for inside coverage on everything all right next we get to larry elder um he's there there's not much to say about larry elder um Here's what there is to say. He has his own. He had his own radio show, the Larry Elder Show, for a while, for I think decades. Um, and from there, he got catapulted into politics with kind of a similar, like anti-woke messaging. Um, and so then, in the recall election against Gavin Newsom in 2021, he he was the leading Republican to go against him, and he lost terribly, even against a. Uh, relatively not very but relatively unpopular governor in gavin newsom he this effort led by him in which he was the name at the other side of the ballot was not even close to being able to recall gavin newsom so i don't see how he's going to do anything in the presidential race also to go back to desantis real quick we do think he's going to make the debate stage yeah oh most definitely absolutely okay i I want to do that for all these candidates yeah larry elder is someone who i do not see. no i do not see him i think do you know what he's pulling at now? About one. Okay, 1%. so he matches that. I don't know if he's gonna make it. To... Yeah, I, I would have, I would have a hard time believing that that support keeps because I don't think he represents something that any that a bigger candidate doesn't. I think that's all we really have to say though. Let's let's move on because yeah. he's not really important. Um, a import important candidate, or she was important when we when she announced. She's kind of dipped a little bit. She's fallen a little bit. I, I I feel like she could still definitely. She's name her name is out there now, um, and that is Nikki Haley. Uh, when she yep. announced, we did a lot of episodes about. We did two separate. Yeah, we we talked about, about her. her a lot. Um, and I, she was the governor of South Carolina. For those of you who don't know, um, she also, was also the ambassador to the United Nations under Trump. Under under Donald Trump, and she really is kind of like the emphasis of a mini MAGA candidate coming out of the woodwork, kind of just like parroting Donald Trump. She she refused to, you know, call him out by name for a while. Yeah. I don't know if she has. She really hasn't. She, she's been trying to paint herself as completely separate from Trump, as like someone who has some of these right-wing ideologies, but she's also not over the top with her right-wing ideologies. So I don't think she's exactly the most MAGA person in the world. But one thing about her campaign, and she's been trying to, paint this very optimistic vision of her campaign, which I think might be a good strategy, actually. I, I think there's a lot of negative negativity in the world, but I feel like 
I feel like she's uh, she's trying to go around. The big thing from her campaign that I have been getting a lot of when people mention her um, is the uh, her her points about how when you're old enough you should have to take a uh, if you're a representative and you're old enough you have to, you should have to take a competency test. Yeah, she said the same thing to run for president. Yeah, which is a weird thing for someone who claims to be like pro freedom and pro democracy to say. I, I'm I'm as much as as much as anyone else. I'm I'm kind of done with. I think a new generation of politicians needs to come in, but I don't think by by making a test, making it so like, making it harder for people to run for office. people to run for office. I don't think that's uh, the best way to you know go about that. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Uh, how how do you see her doing in terms of the election? Do you do you, so? Do you agree she'll make probably make the debate stage? She will make the debate stage. Yes. She's pulling but, around like fifth place now, right? Yeah, how do you think she ends up finishing? Probably around. I think she's. I think she's going to be one of, not one of the early dropouts. I think she's going to be one of the middle of the road dropouts going down. Because she's just gone down. She hasn't really made any positive gains, uh, especially after um, Tim Scott announced. We will talk about it later. After he announced, she really dipped because he's just kind of her, but yeah, more likable. So with. Do you, let's talk about two other candidates that as compared to her. Tim Scott and Mike Pence. How do you think she does in comparison to those two? I think... See, Mike Pence is a tough question. I think she's going to do worse than Scott, and she might do better than Pence, but that's a big maybe, depending on how Pence plays his cards. Okay, so let's go to our next candidate. Asa Hutchinson, who is um the former governor of Arkansas. Just, you know... Uh, just, you know. just, just, you know, like he's a Southern governor for a Republican candidacy. It's nothing that we haven't seen before in past. He's really nothing we haven't seen before in past. He's trying to pull the Republican party back into like that kind of establishment, kind of that old school, pre-Trump, pre-Trump era, um, which is definitely different than a lot of the candidates that are being put up. Um, however, I just don't think there's much of an appetite for him. He's pulling really low at like three or 4%. Uh, his name recognition's not great. Um, I think he could. I think if more people rallied around him, he could definitely make a great opposition to a MAGA candidate. But I feel like right now, he's. I feel like he'll make it to the debate debate stage, but I don't feel like he's going any further. Than I don't know. I, second primary. I see. I think it's a. I think it's. Kind of, I don't see him on a debate stage. Really. I. I don't think that Hutchinson has that much support. I think that people who don't like Trump are gonna flock towards one of the larger non-Trump candidates, maybe DeSantis, or if they just, DeSantis, if they don't like Trump for personality, but if they don't like Trump for policy, they'll probably go with someone like Haley or Tim Scott, or even maybe even Mike Pence. Mm -hmm. I don't see where Asa Hutchinson exactly fits. But that's what I'm saying. I think he can make the first debate stage. I think he'll make it through the first or second primary. I just think that he's going to be one of the early dropouts. I don't know. I, I, I think he's going to have to fight to get to that first debate stage. Oh, it's not going to be easy. And if he does, it's going to be very thin, but I still do believe that he has a chance of making that sort of thing for himself. All right, so why don't we scroll down the list? And we get to Mike Pence. Mike Pence is a very interesting case here. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> former vice president. Uh, Governor of Indiana. Polling at 7%. U.S. rep. Like, he has a resume. He's, he's, a, he's a well-established figure. And you would think with all of this, you know, He's, he has the name recognition. He has everything really in his favor. He's like, he's experienced. He has the name recognition, but he's not polling great. 
And a big part of that is he's tried too hard to play both sides. He's tried so hard to be anti-Trump. I mean, Trump supporters called for his death. While also still, like, not being provocative of Trump. And he's really not been able to find a good place to fit in. Now, I do think that he'll definitely make the debate stage. And I think... Most definitely. Most definitely. And I think that that is because he has a really large Christian nationalist type base. Yeah. That no matter what will be loyal to Mike Pence and will be able to push him to that. I bet churches will be out there to get donations for him. I bet that he'll still get that polling number, especially in a a state like Iowa. Um, I, I, I definitely think that... I think he has a place in this race, but I don't see him as like a top four finisher. No, I, it's either it's either him or Haley who are making it, and and it's kind of still up in the air, depending on how he plays his cards. Um. All right. Uh, moving down. The, unless you want to talk about Pence a little more, we can move no, on the list. I, we've talked about Pence before, so. Uh, the, 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 Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy. There you go. I saved you there. That, yeah. Well, I was gonna. For some reason, I was gonna throw a Y in there. <laughs> um. No. Vivek Ramaswamy. He's the anti woke. Uh. Out of the yeah. box kind so of So he is an entrepreneur. He works in asset management. He's from Ohio. He is from Ohio. And he wrote a book called Woke Inc. In this book, he's he's running basically a one-issue campaign against woke ideologies and corporations. Say what you want about that. I think that's a bad thing to run a campaign on. Um, what do you mean? I, I've never heard that before. There's no, there's no other candidate up here who's running against the woke mob or woke <laughs> ideology. He really stands out. You know, he's a, he's like a Ross Perot. But you know what I can say about him? His charisma has earned him high polling digits. And a recent poll came out. He is polling against, he is polling above Mike Pence, the former vice president, and multiple former governors, representatives, stuff like that. Yeah, it's not great. He, he has found a little niche because he is someone who will go and talk to anyone, do anything. He would writes. He, would he do our show? If you guys know Vivek Ramaswamy, <laughs> like I'm telling you, we will have any candidate that we mentioned today on this on the stage. Absolutely. All right. Well, if there's, an, I mean, I think Ramaswamy's kind of like he's a symptom of like the new internet age. He's definitely he will definitely make the debate stage. He, I can say that. Yeah, and where he goes from there depends on how other candidates treat him. Yeah. I, I don't feel like on his own. Like, I feel like if there were, I feel like if he gets any sort of criticism, I don't, I don't know how he'll do. Is that, is that sort of, is, does yeah. that make sense? Well, that, that remains to be seen. A lot about his campaign remains to be seen. Yeah. I just don't feel like he has the chops to kind of, I don't think he's experienced enough to be a president. I feel like he's enough. I feel like he's making enough a name for himself to bring the issues that matter to him up to the front line. However, every other candidate's running on those same issues. So... I just, I don't feel like he's too important. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, Tim Scott, we already mentioned him. Yep. Uh, Senator from South Carolina, uh, formerly representative, or a U.S. representative and a state representative in South Carolina. Tim Scott kicked off his campaign with some crazy momentum. He's doing really well. It's because he's very likable. He's fundraised a lot. I've seen a lot of people supporting him. He's gotten some decent endorsements already. I think Tim Scott is going to make a very big splash. And I can honestly say that I've been talking about how I think he was going to be a big deal since before most people thought he would be a big deal. Tim Scott has something about him. People like him. And it's, you know, he stands out. He stands out as 
compared to most of the other MAGA, he's like he's doing he's doing a well, good job of separating himself from Trump, but while also not you know being anti-Trump, being anti-Trump, which you know has its has its merits. It's not what you. I mean, personally, I think more candidates should go after Trump, but obviously, it's, Chris Christie supporter over yeah, here. Obviously, it's proven fruitful to him to not. I mean, he's pulling. Is he? Isn't he pulling at like third place right now? He's pulling. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can. Uh, oh, there's no polls on here. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I think he's pulling at third or fourth usually. He's doing. Uh, he's doing pretty well. Yeah, I, I just think that. Um, I think that he'll do very well. I think he'll make it to the debate stage. I feel like he'll make a big splash, and he'll definitely show himself to be. Uh, different as not the same as I mean I, he just he really stands out he's really likable I definitely could see in a world where everything goes wrong for DeSantis I could see him surpassing DeSantis but that means that's I a just world don't think that's likely I, I know I, that's why I said a world where everything goes wrong for DeSantis all right here we go as of two hours ago they put out this a National Research Inc poll on the 2024 this is specifically in New Hampshire in New Hampshire this is very different than what we've seen anywhere else. I'm going to pull up a couple of polls. Um, Trump is 32 points up on DeSantis in this poll. Yikes. DeSantis is only at 12%. Yikes. And Christie is coming in third at 7%, while Tim Scott is tied there at 7%. Hmm. That's a... That's an outlier. That's an outlier. Okay. Let me pull up. Here, here's a good example. Uh, a Republican caucus poll. Trump at 51%, DeSantis at only 19%, Tim Scott at 9%, and Pence at 6%. Yeah, so that's... So Tim Scott that, seems kind to of, steadily be a, a, a third-place kind of guy. He'll he, he'll definitely stay. I think he'll stay till the end before dropping out and endorsing probably the non-Trump, but depending on who the non-Trump is. Yeah. I think he's a, I think he's a big name that will definitely um, bring a lot of support to whoever he ends up endorsing. Potentially a good VP candidate. On to our next candidate is uh, Francis Suarez, the former, not former, the current mayor of Miami. Yeah, yeah. He just got in the race two days before we were recording this. Yeah, we're recording uh, this about on a, the 15th. Probably so. about a week before you guys are hearing this. Or maybe or actually a little less than that. But he, so he, he's very recently in the race. He's a younger guy. He's at he's 45, only a year older than DeSantis. Yeah, DeSantis is at 44. While DeSantis is also still a very young candidate. So he's he's definitely younger than the average um average presidential candidate. Uh he's gotten in this race with a pretty decent splash. He's running definitely a, a campaign that's not like other people's campaigns because he's not talking about other candidates and like trying to paint himself as like, oh, these other guys are terrible. That's why you should vote for me. He's definitely going on more of like a optimistic, like this he's, is my vision. He's got future. his vision, and then he wants to bring that from Miami to the to the whole country. And Miami has admittedly done well under him, so he has a, he has good merit to that. Mm-hmm. He can easily run off his record. Yeah, but I just don't see him making a big enough of an impression to be a top contender. I think, from what I've read about him, um, he's made a big impression on the Trump team. Uh, Kellyanne Conway specifically has mentioned that she's trying to convince Trump to uh, make him his VP. So, I mean, he's a name to look at for vice presidential slots, but I don't think he's a name to look at for presidential spots. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and this, and then this next guy we're going to talk about after Mr. Suarez is um, a name you probably haven't heard of before. He's, never makes headlines. We never talk about him. I mean, I think if there's one candidate who's definitely going to like fail because no one's ever heard of them, 
It's got to be Donald J. Trump. <laughs> Obviously, we've talked about Trump a lot. He's a former president. Uh, he's now been indicted in New York State and indicted on a federal. Yeah, he uh, just flew down to Miami to. Um, he pleaded not guilty yesterday uh, against against charges with the Espionage Act. Yeah. Um, for his role in the taking of documents. He pleaded not guilty. We're not going to make accusations one way or another. His lawyers quit. <laughs> that is back to this disclaimer. We're not going to make claims one way or the other. I didn't make it. That's a fact that happened. His lawyers I know, quit. No, I'm just trying to get through and this. I'm, and I'm not saying that indicates anything. I'm just saying that like. So we're not going to make any accusations anyway because, again, we're not involved. We don't have all of the evidence that uh, obviously federal prosecutors do, nor do we have the evidence that Trump does. But he's yeah. been indicted on multiple different cases now. Yeah, and he definitely hasn't openly admitted to any of them on Truth Social or just in the press in general. So there's no way that you can definitely nail down that he did. Because there's never been, like, he pu never publicly admitted any of this stuff. And there's definitely not heaps of that. Anyways, moving <laughs> on, um, he's the front runner. He's the front runner by, like, 30-ish points now. He's doing very well in polls, um, which was a surprise because a lot of people thought that DeSantis had an opportunity to beat him. I think DeSantis does still have an opportunity to beat him. But I think DeSantis needs to get back some of that momentum he had coming off of the midterms. Yeah, he needs DeSantis needs to keep saying, like, look how much I won a swing state by. I'm I'm super popular. Trump's lost us so many elections. He I mean, DeSantis in his in his um, speech when he announced he's running for president was like, We need to stop this Republican culture of losing. He's very obviously talking about Trump. I mean, there's not too much that can be said about Trump that hasn't already been said. Yeah. I mean I think it's plausible that we see a Biden-Trump rematch. I think it's likely that we see a Biden-Trump rematch, unfortunately. Um, and rather than spend all this time talking about Trump, I'd rather us focus on other candidates who might beat him. Though unlikely. Might. Right. So now we want to talk about some minor candidates. And I don't think any of us have much to say on these guys, but we do want to at least give them they deserve. There's John Anthony Castro, who is a tax consultant. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really know much about him. He's not likely His to be a His last name is Castro, <laughs> kind of like the, the dictator There's of Cuba. Perry Johnson, and Perry Johnson's funny because he's this business guy from Michigan who tried to run for governor and then didn't qualify for the election. So then he was like, hey, I should run for president. But his big campaign thing is he wants to like, cut two cents off of every dollar of government spending. I don't think he has much of a chance. Um, Steve Laffey. He's a, he's a former mayor of Cranston, Rhode Island. And he's, he's running on um, Social Security reform. That's his big thing. I'm going to spoil something. No, no. I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to okay. spoil it. The next episode coming out, I mean, by, by the time this episode comes out, we might have already announced it. Yeah. If not, then people who actually listen to us and not just follow our Instagram, mm -hmm. are going to get like a big surprise. Steve Laffey, uh, former mayor from Rhode Island and now 2024 presidential candidate, will be joining our show next week uh, for a live interview. Mm -hmm. We've already recorded. It was, it was a great interview. Um, if it's out, go watch it. If it's not out, please look forward to it. Um, and make sure to follow us on Spotify to get notified when it does come out. It's gonna be big. Then there's Corey Stapleton, who's not much to say about him except that he's a former, uh, he's the former Secretary of State from Montana. He announced really early. He announced really, really early. He announced around the same time Trump did, I believe. Yeah, not great. Mm -hmm. Uh, he doesn't even get a picture on the Wikipedia <laughs> article, so I, I don't think he's really that important. But now I want to talk about some of these other candidates um, that have thrown their name in the race. For example, we have Joe Exotic. 
Yeah, yeah, he had the documentary around him. Tiger King. He's running from prison. Yeah, because technically you can. You can run from prison. So he's actively in prison on felony counts. He's doing his thing. He was originally going to run as a libertarian. Now he's saying he's going to run as a Democrat. We'll have to see where he ends up going. Um, along with that, we have Cornell West. Now, Cornell West made some news headlines recently because Cornell West is a is pretty popular online. Um, he's done a lot of talking. He's he's for those of you who don't know him, he's a very very socialist uh, Harvard professor. He's done a lot of things on shows. He announced he's going to be the first candidate ever running for the People's Party nomination, and along with that, he's also going to be attempting to get Green Party nomination so that he could be on two separate ballot lines. Interesting. He's very progressive, very social. He's kind of popular with like the really far left online crowd. So one percent of the vote. Maybe two. Ooh. Um, and then, obviously, we couldn't have this episode without talking about Kanye West. No, we could. <laughs> Actually, I think we will. Moving on, um, that was a lot of people. It's a lot of names. A lot of uh, big things going on. Uh, and obviously, the news... news conti- oh, that's my chair. My news continues... Not my news. The news. No, I own the news. The news continues to evolve as each day goes on. And... Probably most of the things we said in this episode will either be outdated or change in the next in the coming weeks. So we will continue to update you all on what's going on, and we'll continue to inform about the changes in polling, changes just of events that are going on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing these primary debates, um, seeing who actually makes it on the stage. Uh, is there anything you want to add, Brandon? No, I think you covered it pretty well. We're going to be covering everything. It's going to be a uh, going to be a lot of coverage on this race, along with obviously other things. I'm interested to see how the Democratic primary goes and how much of a vote vote share just goes against Biden. I'm also interested to see the Republican primary and if DeSantis, Scott Haley, some of those big contenders. I guess even kind of Christie now. He's pulling similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, can start to close up that gap with Trump. It's going to be very interesting to see. It gets progressively worse. Starring Brandon Booth and Kyle Marzullo. Produced by Brandon Booth and me, Kyle Marzullo. Executive producer, Kyle Billings. Associate producers, Eva Ross and Mateo Ramirez-Snell. Casting director, Brandon Booth. Editor, Kyle Marzullo. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at It Gets Progressively Worse. And also make sure to follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure to stay tuned for our next episode.